Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We are getting you ready for Browns training camp. We have been doing a 23 questions series, and we're going to highlight some of those questions here on the podcast as we get ready for Browns training camp, which opens up at the Greenbrier in West Virginia on July 22nd. It is getting closer and closer. So uh, let's do two questions here off the top. Uh, The second one we're going to get to is going to be about David Bell and Anthony Schwartz and their outlook for this season. But the first thing we're going to start with is Cade York. We love talking Cade York on this podcast. Uh, So the question is, Will Cade York bounce back in 2023? And honestly, let's just frame the importance of this question before we just even get into answering the question. I think of all the things we could ask, and there's big ones, right? There's Deshaun Watson, there's Kevin's play calling, there's Jim Schwartz's defense, there's there are a million important questions. But Mary Kay, I think this actually might sneakily be one of the most important questions for the Browns. Like, will Cade York bounce back? Because you don't want to have this season where, oh my God, this team is actually good enough to win the AFC North, but then your kicker's losing you games. Oh my goodness. Who would have thought? I mean, when they drafted him, we just did not think that this was going to be an issue. And it's actually a little bit shocking that he struggled the way he did, especially at Cleveland Browns Stadium. That's where you've got to be money. That's where you've got to be golden. Uh, It's not an easy place to kick. We know that. But some of the misses that he had were not even weather-related. So he's got to make sure that he's playing the angles right, that he's playing the wind right. I still think he should talk more uh, to Phil Dawson and be open to that kind of input. I think Bubba Ventrone is going to be really, really good for Cade. Because I think that, uh, you know, Bubba lived through it. He played special teams at Cleveland Browns Stadium. He knows what it's like to try to kick there. So I think restoring Cade's confidence and getting him to the point where he is just walking up and booting the ball and not having too many swing thoughts in his head, I think that's imperative. I think, once again, I think Bubba's going to be really good for him. And I don't know, he's just kind of carrying himself with that swagger again a little bit. So, I think he's got the demeanor to pull out of this little rut that he ended up in. I I mean, Ashley, is it saying too much to kind of put this question right up there with the likes of Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski and and some of the really big kind of figures in all of this? I don't think so just because of all of the recent issues they've had regarding their kicking game in the last decade. There's been no consistency at the position since – They've parted ways with Phil Dawson. They haven't, you know, gone through two straight seasons with the same kicker. So I do think Cade's kind of resurgence, knowing how big a part kicking is in in the special teams game and how much they've struggled with it, um, I think it's a huge question. And I think it's worthy of kind of being talked about in those same, like, ways, I guess, that the offense or or Jim Schwartz's scheme are worthy of being talked about. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, like Mary Kay said, it's like the way he struggled was just kind of surprising, but it was similar to how he struggled as a freshman at LSU. He kind of talked about that a little bit last year. It seems like he and Bubba Ventrone are really on the same page when it comes to, they feel like a lot of the problem last year was related to him being too focused on mechanics as the season actually started. So they seem to have a plan to phase that out. So 
I think while this is an interesting question, it's also one we're not going to know the answer to until games actually start because he was doing so well last year in training camp and these practices in the off season. It's all about what's it going to look like in the games. So as I'm looking through the the memories of Cade York last year, the the game log from last year, of course there was that Carolina game. We all remember how how that ended, and you know we've discussed that, but. You know, Mary Kay, I'm looking at a few games, you know, the Jets, you kind of forget, but he missed that extra point uh, against the Jets in week two. And, and that ended up being part of why they lost that game against the Chargers. You know, Brandon Staley kind of tried to gift that game to the Browns and, and he missed a potential game winning kick there. Um, there was, you know, there were just other games. And I know I'm, I know I'm missing a few here, but there were real games last year where the Browns needed him to just make a kick or two. And for whatever reason, he didn't. And then even in some of the wins, there were some really concerning misses, like bad misses, like not just wide of the upright, but like just missing everything, including the kicking net. There were some really concerning things there, but you mentioned it. He's got the swagger. He's got the confidence. This feels like a guy who has the personality to say, hey, last year stunk, but that was last year. We're on to 2023. Yeah, and, and the other thing I think to note, too, is that some of them were deflected or blocked. And so I think that they do have to look at the mechanics and they do have to determine if those are a trajectory issue um, or if, you know, were they his fault? I mean, really break down the blocks and figure out what went on there. And I think if he feels better about that, then he's not going to have that inside of his head. If you start walking up, uh, to kick the ball and you're worried about it getting blocked, that is going to mess with your head in a big, huge way. So they have to make sure that they button that down and and make sure that all their ducks in, are in a row everywhere. Um, so that's one thing. Again, he missed some extra points that he should not have missed, and he missed some kicks at the stadium uh, that are a concern. So I would get down there more often. I never really felt like they went down there and kicked enough. Uh, I don't think you can do that too much. I mean, go down there in all kinds of weather, especially towards uh, the end of the season in November and December, make sure that you're understanding the wind and the cold and the hail and the snow and the rain and all of that. Um, So, you know, I think there are plenty of things that he can do. Um, And I, I think he should be okay. You know, It would be unfortunate if he's not considering the fact that they did spend a high draft pick on him, a fourth round pick on him, which most people don't do that. I thought it could have even been higher. Um, But, you know, they they have to have this be right because this team is on a mission to make it to the playoffs and to go deep into the playoffs. You cannot be missing game winning kicks. You know, you've got some of the best kickers in the NFL right here in the AFC North. And these guys go out and win games for you. So it's a, it's a tough division from a competitive standpoint that way. You've got to be able to match them kick for kick as well. Yeah, that, that point right there, Mary Kay, is so important. Like, you know, I, I was going through some of the misses. And listen, I don't want to blame Cade for the Jets' loss. There were a million things that went wrong in that game. But that missed extra point was a part of it, right? Um, let's say he makes that extra point and somehow the Browns win that game in overtime. You know, let's say he makes the kick against the Chargers. Let's say the kick against the Ravens uh, in Baltimore, right? That had a chance to tie the game. You win two of those games. Now you're a nine and eight football team. 
and and that's how important it's been. And when you mention these AFC North kickers, I'm thinking about the Ravens a couple years ago when Justin Tucker hit that NFL record field goal that hit the crossbar and bounced over. That was a Ravens team that was winning and losing games on the margins and <laughs> stealing some games here or there ended up kind of helping them have a better season than maybe they probably should have even. So Ashley, it's really a kicker can change the outlook of your season because sometimes it is just, you make that one kick at the right time. That's the difference in two or three games. And now you're a 10 win team instead of a, an eight win team. Yeah. And I think like, it just gives you that cushion knowing how these NFL offenses are now and, and how much, you know, they're moving the ball down the field. And I think last year, especially it was noticeable when these misses were happening because it felt like when Deshaun Watson especially wasn't back from his suspension yet, like every point they could manage, like points were at a premium for this offense back at that time. So when he was missing those extra points or missing the field goals, um, it was noticeable. And I mean, I think the biggest thing in terms of his technique and everything where he really struggled from was in that like 30 to 39 yard range and 40 to 49 yard range in particular. He was four of seven from 50 yards out, but that's kind of like par for the course a little bit almost, you know, but, and two of those over 50 yard field goals were, I believe two of the three blocks as well. He had a 60 yard attempt in Baltimore that was blocked. That's the one that would have tied the game late in the fourth quarter. And then he had that 53 yard attempt blocked against the Bengals on Halloween. Um, so for me, it's really about those, like, especially that 40 to 49 yard distance. That's where as a kicker, you're going to make your, like, that's your bread and bread butter in theory, especially in this division with those other kickers. Okay. So I guess let's do it this way before we move on scale of one to 10. What is your confidence level in Cade York in year two, Mary Kay? The first number that comes to mind is a seven. Uh, I, I think he needs, I really think he needs to bounce back and he has to make sure that he's not getting the yips and that it's not inside his head. He's a young guy. I mean, you have to remember these guys are really, really young when they're out there with 70,000 people hanging on their every kick and you've got to be able to handle all of that. So he's got to get that ice back in his veins. He's got to show uh, that he cannot be worrying about blocks or any of those kinds of things. And he, he's got to rebound in a big way right now i'm at about a seven i think seven is actually i think seven is pretty good honestly i i think i would land in that range too somewhere in that six or i'm probably more of like a six so like kind of halfway like i'm confident that he is that he's got the personality to get over that hump and become a really effective kicker but again, with just everything with this team, I just got to see it. I just got to, I just have to see it happen a little bit to kind of build that confidence back up. But I, that, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm just one notch lower. I'm at a six. Ashley, what about you? I would say I'm probably at like a seven and a half. Like I'll, I'll go slightly above that seven. And I think it's like, because I've gotten the chance to talk to him, like, and see him last year when he was in the thick of those misses and kind of see like some of the stuff he was saying to me, I was kind of surprised he was even saying it like about how the misses had tested everything about his process. And I, I was getting kind of, you know, concerned about his mental state or the yips, whatever you want to call them um, with those misses. But now it's like, he does kind of seem just like that confidence of somebody who has a handle on what he thinks the problem is. Now I think the question becomes like, okay, if the, 
if the phasing out the mechanics doesn't work, then where do you go? And is it something deeper? Um, but I, I think it just sounds like, again, him and Bubba, Bubba Ventrone are really like on the same page with this. I think it, to me, like the fact that Bubba came in and essentially said when he talked to us during OTAs or minicamp, whenever that was, that he also noticed that that Cade's a really hard worker, but that he was almost too focused on his mechanics at times. So I think that's almost like an easier fix for me if it is what the problem is, just because Cade basically had to do that when he was at LSU. Now, again, he was kicking in big environments in college. I think the NFL is always a different ballgame than college in general, but I think he kind of has this blueprint, and that's what makes me confident in him that he'll be able to get over the rookie um, rough stretch that he had. We're going to take a break, and then we'll have another question here in our 23-question series. We're going to turn our attention to the wide receiver room. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock getting ready for training camp with our 23-question series. You can check these out. Cleveland.com slash Browns uh, is where you can find them uh, all throughout the month of July. Uh, you can also become a Football Insider subscriber there. Cleveland.com slash Browns. The blue banner at the top of the page to become a Football Insider subscriber. Okay. Like I said, we're going to look at the wide receiver room now. Not the top of the wide receiver room, but more the, the middle of the wide receiver room. The bubble part of the wide receiver room. The question here is about David Bell and Anthony Schwartz. What is the outlook for David Bell and Anthony Schwartz? So I guess let's take this one at a time and let's start with Anthony. Uh, this is going into year three now. We just haven't quite seen him really become that, that player that the Browns hoped he would be when they drafted him. We've seen very few glimpses of that speed. Um, you know, even in practice, I haven't seen a ton of it, but like, you know, we had that end around uh, in the Tampa game. That was one example, but we just haven't seen a lot of that, Mary Kay. You know, Ashley, you talked to him uh, about some of his mental health struggles and how he's had to deal with that. But here we are, Mary Kay. This feels like this is kind of it for Anthony Schwartz. Like it's now or never. You've, you've got to earn this roster spot and you've got to show that that world-class speed can be a problem on an NFL football field. Is, is it going to happen for him? Do, do you think he can make this roster? It is a really good question. And it is, it is one that, you know, there are not a ton of real big mysteries heading into uh, the season, but I think this is one of them. Uh, can Anthony Schwartz stick around and become what the Browns thought he could be when they drafted him in the third round out of Auburn? That's a high, that's a pretty high pick uh, for a relatively inexperienced receiver. And things have changed since then. They went out and they got Marquise Goodwin. Marquise Goodwin fills that role for you of the vertical stretch player. Uh, so now they actually have that speedster. And uh, that makes it that will make it increasingly difficult for Anthony Schwartz to, to make the roster and get on the field. And they also added three other pass catchers, including tight end Jordan Akins. So they've got a lot more weapons now for Deshaun Watson. And it's certainly not going to be easy for Anthony Schwartz to make the team. However, as you mentioned, Dan, he's a world-class speedster. If there is some way you can coax the football player out of him or put the football player into him, whatever the case may be, if you can turn him into that guy that can run routes, that can go out there, that can catch passes, and that can have the mental and physical toughness that he needs to play at this level, then he still does have a chance to make the team. 
Andrew Barry does not like to give up on his draft picks, and he certainly doesn't want to give up on that speed because in the event that you were able to turn Anthony Schwartz into more of what anybody has seen from him so far, if you were able to put Anthony Schwartz on the field at the same time with Marquise Goodwin and then maybe even Elijah Moore out there, you're talking about a fast track, and you're going to have to try to keep up with those guys, and that's not going to be easy. So you can't coach that kind of speed, but can you coach into him the other things that he needs? And that's the whole key. I think there is a chance for him to make the team because of his speed. If he can show he can do the other things. And part of the problem with this is that you might not be able to prove you can do it until you're in an actual live game. It's different to practice it. It's different to go when you're not getting hit. It's different when you're not hearing footsteps. It's different when you don't have to try to hang on uh, when somebody's about to, to crush you. So, you know, they might have to give him a chance once the season is underway to see if he can actually handle it during live action. But I know they don't want to give up on that speed. Ashley, what do you see? I, I guess, what does it look like for Anthony Schwartz? Because I, I, I feel like when he first got here, expectations were really high for him, maybe a little unfairly, because he was a third-round pick. Uh, but I thought I think people kind of saw that, oh, this guy can come in and be this dynamic, fast, you know, one of the best receivers on this roster. This, I mean, maybe if he's able to make it, maybe he's going to be in an ideal role where it's more of like a, a situational thing. Do you see a, a path to Anthony Schwartz making this? I do, just because also knowing he started to really contribute on special teams last year when he was healthy as well. I mean, I do think if Bubba Ventrone likes him and sees a role for him, especially like in that gunner kind of role, um, that could be something that makes or breaks a roster spot, right? Like, I do think ultimately, even if he doesn't end up on the 53-man roster, like, they would probably keep him on the practice squad is just kind of my guess right now. Um, because he is a draft pick and because he does have that speed. And, you know, it's like I definitely think the the clock is running out in terms of, like, his time to prove that. But I do think, like, that potential is just so hard to let go of. I mean, I do really think that the Browns respect, like, his openness about his mental health struggles as well and that aspect of it and how much, you know, the drops early in the preseason really started to affect him last season. Uh, but I do think ultimately for him, like the ideal role for me would be like a special teams contributor. And like you said, Dan, a situational guy who can maybe come in and give you those end arounds really quickly and mix things up so that your offense isn't as predictable. Um, and also, I mean, I think it all kind of depends on how he's going to gel with Deshaun Watson and what's that going to look like. Because, I mean, I think that's so key with this kind of pass catcher overhaul that they've had this offseason. It's who's going to fit best with Deshaun and in what situation. So I do think it's not impossible, even though he's obviously not a guy who's in the top of that group in the position room. So that, that that's something interesting there that he was starting to kind of figure out before he, he got hurt at the end of last season, Mary Kay, is the special teams part of it. He was covering kicks. Um, he had kind of embraced doing that. And as we start to talk about David Bell a little bit too, that, that could be a part of this decision-making process if it does come down to, like, Schwartz versus Bell. Who's going to help you on special teams? And we're not just talking returns. We're talking covering kicks and, and that, that willingness to be a gunner. And that's something that Anthony sort of embraced towards the end of last season before, uh, before another concussion. Um, so that could be a path as well. It's just that trait, though, right? Like, are you 
when you look at David Bell and Anthony Schwartz, it's very, very clear what Anthony Schwartz's trait is. Again, can you translate it to a football field? We'll see. But it's still clear what that trait is. With David Bell, I guess it's his hands, but speed is still the more enticing trait. Is, is there another trait there that I'm missing with David Bell? I think just the um, just the reliability, just the uh, the ability to evolve into sort of that Jarvis Landry type of slot receiver that I think they believe he can be. I don't think they're ready to give up on David Bell uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So if I had to to you know say which one of the two of them I think is a lock to make the team, I'm putting that on David Bell. I think Anthony Anthony Schwartz is a bubble player. And he's got to really go out there and prove himself. And he's really got his work cut out for him in that regard. I mean, another reason why they probably don't want to give up on him is because Marquise Goodwin is, you know, he's not getting any younger. And if they can get Anthony Schwartz up to speed and, you know, kind of hang on to him for another year, you know, then maybe he moves into that vertical stretch role and takes over for Marquise Goodwin next year. You know, these guys are still young. They draft him young so that they can develop them over the years. So I think sometimes when we think about these young draft picks, we have to remember Andrew Barry doesn't necessarily try to acquire them so that they could make a huge impact in year one or even sometimes in year two. Um, So these are some of the things to consider. But I don't think that David Bell is in any kind of jeopardy of not making the team. I do think that Anthony Schwartz has got to prove himself. Yeah, David Bell turns 23 in December, so still just 22 years old. Played basketball against Dewan Jones, who just got drafted this year, so uh, still still a young guy. Um, I mean, I guess same, similar question to Anthony Schwartz here, Ashley. What what does it look like for David Bell? Is it just, I, I, you know, on a podcast a few weeks ago, I had thrown out, like, could David Bell just find an NFL career as being a guy that's always open on third down? You know, yeah, he just maybe. catches a bunch of yeah. third down conversions. Yeah, I mean, I think knowing like his hands are maybe his best trait. It's a huge part of what drew them to drafting him when they did at 99 last year. Um, I think maybe it is situational like that, right? And I think what's what's also interesting to me, and I think why I'm I'm like Mary Kay, like I'm more open to the fact that Anthony maybe has a little bit more to prove, but it's because he's been around longer, right? Like David was just a rookie last year. I think for the most part, you did see his hands. There were a few notable quote-unquote drops he had. I mean, the one against New Orleans where it went off his hand, it led to an interception for Watson. Um, That's the first one that comes to mind. But I do just think knowing the hands, knowing like even though he doesn't have that vertical speed, I think I'm curious to see how he develops because he was good at this in college with like having football speed. And it's not that straight-line vertical speed that obviously like a Marquise Goodwin has. But it's still knowing how to get open. So I'm curious about that. And I mean, I think it doesn't hurt to have somebody that adds something a little different there that you can throw in in those kind of situations that just has really sure hands. So maybe that is his ultimate career. Maybe he contributes more on special teams. And I think if if you get that out of him, that's fine. That's, That's almost like enough for me. But I'm curious to see how he keeps developing in those other areas. So Mary Kay, it's no secret that the Browns have gone pretty crazy investing in the wide receiver position, right? Um, Even before they drafted David, they traded for Amari Cooper. Um, They make the Elijah Moore trade. They sign Marquise Goodwin. They draft Cedric Tillman. 
Um, you know, they did draft Michael Woods last year too. Now he's out of the picture for this year because of the ruptured Achilles. That would have really made that, that probably would have made life very difficult for a guy like David Bell, honestly. Um, so, but Michael Woods kind of opened up what could have been a, a roster spot that was his. They have made a lot of investments in this receiver position, and they have really worked to overhaul it. And I just wonder, does that – we know Andrew Barry's patient. We know that he loves to see his draft picks develop. Because they've kind of gone all in in that room, could that just sort of force his hand a little bit and make him have to say, you know what, as much as I'd love to keep a guy like David Bell around, I, I don't think I can do it because that room is too crowded. And also, I think, look, I think David could certainly land on, on the practice squad. You know what? I, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not feeling David Bell not making the 53. I just think that they saw some things in him that they really, really liked last year that caused them to go out and spend a third round pick on him, which is pretty high. And, um, and I, I just think that they feel like he had a decent enough rookie season, didn't get very many targets. I think he had 35 targets or something like that. Um, he didn't get much of an opportunity, but remember, um, I think that there is a, a reigning thought that, that the receivers are not all the receivers lived up to their potential either because they had two different quarterbacks. They had Jacoby for the first 11 games. Then they had Deshaun. It was a tough adjustment to go from one to the other. And I think they believe that young guys such as David Bell and Anthony Schwartz to, you know, to the same extent are going to be better with Deshaun Watson throwing them the ball. So I think they, they feel the outlook is pretty good for these young guys. Now, maybe you can stash them away on the practice squad a little bit and hope nobody else steals them, but I think it's risky. I just don't see that happening with David Bell. I don't think they're ready to go there yet. I think they'll find a spot for him. Uh, and I think they'll try if they can, if they can, uh, they'll try to find a way to keep Anthony Schwartz around. And as you guys mentioned, you know, maybe he's more of a designated special teams guy. And, you know, Bubba raises his hand and says, I have to have him for whatever reason. Or maybe they put a package of plays in for him where he is running, you know, some of those jet sweeps. Or they run a, you know, a du double double jet sweep with Marquise Goodwin and Anthony Schwartz. I mean, there's so there's different things that you can do when you've got uh, two guys like that with that kind of blazing, blazing speed. Um, but as far as David Bell, Dan, you keep trying to take him off the team and I keep trying to put him back. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying because when you bring an Elijah Moore onto the team and he brings speed to the slot position and the twitchiness that, that you're looking for, you know, it starts to look pretty darn good. I just don't think they're, they're anywhere ready to give, give up on David yet. You're right. We're like, pushing and pulling with David Bell here. <laughs> but let's do this. Let, let's do this real quick exercise here. All right. With just look at the wide let's look at the wide receiver room and let, let's figure it out. Um should we draft it? Should, should we just draft like starting at one? So like Amari Cooper, right? Yep. Yep. Let's, let's just go through this. So we're gonna put Amari Cooper on. Uh Elijah Moore, Donovan Peoples Jones. So we're gonna write those three in in pen. Um Marquise Goodwin in pen. And Cedric Tillman, right? Those, mm -hmm. what is that? So that's five? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now that leaves us with, as I pull this up, uh, Dalen Baldwin, we're not going to put on. Um, so David Bell, go ahead and put him on the list. 
So that would be six. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess we'll leave Jalen Darden off. Jakeem Grant? I say we leave him on and, like, assume that that's going to be, like, their dedicated returner spot. Because that's basically what they were going to do with him last year, right? Like, that Mm -hmm. they were going to have that roster spot on that special team side kind of set apart. So I think it's okay to leave him on. Okay. But that that puts us at seven. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike Harley, no. Rashawn Henry, we already did more. Jones. There's Schwartz. So, yeah, I mean, it could come down to, like, Jakeem Grant and Anthony Schwartz, right? Or David, it could come down to like David Bell and Anthony Schwartz. So mm-hmm. it does feel like David's probably on, but then you're also, we've, we're already at seven if we have him and Jakeem Grant on the roster. So that, that'll be interesting to see how many receivers they keep this year as compared to what they have in years past. Well, the other thing to consider is they might, end up having to mess around with the 53 man roster a little bit. I mean, they, of course they always do, but in the beginning of the season, you know, from a numbers standpoint, you know, somebody might end up, you know, spending a little time on injured reserve uh, for a little while. So you can kind of keep these guys around a little bit. So, you know, injuries could play a factor as they're going through, uh, you know, the preseason games and whatnot. So again, I, I, if I were doing the 53 today, I would 100% have David Bell on there. Um, Jakeem, I think that's going to come down to how much he has recovered from a speed standpoint from a ruptured Achilles at his age now. How old is, is he 33 now? Let or am I giving him way too many years? Um, I've, you know what? I have the roster up here. I got to find, I got to find Jakeem again. Uh, he's 30 right now. 30. Sorry about that, Jakeem. <laughs> you look, you only look 29. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, but um, so, yeah, I think it's going to come down to, did he retain his ability uh, to just fly? And if he can do that, you know, the, then I think he can stick around. But as a designated special teams player, I don't think you have to call him. Uh, a receiver in your receiver room per se, because you are starting to get uh, a little thick in there. All right, there we go. Two of uh, two of our 23 questions here on the orange to Brown talk podcast. Again, you've been seeing that series uh, at cleveland.com slash Browns. Just go ahead and check that out uh, over there. We've got more coming leading up to training camp to get you ready for, I keep saying this, the longest Brown season ever. Uh, it starts early. Who knows how long it could go? The possibilities are endless uh, for this football team. And, of course, there's a Hall of Fame induction in the middle of it. There's all sorts of stuff uh, going on this season. So we'll cover it all. You want to be a Football Insider subscriber for all of it. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You also want to be subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. And then also check out our YouTube, Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com. If you search that on YouTube, you will find us. Uh, Mary Kay and Ashley, I will talk to you later.